The green light is on. Is there something at the soundboard, Derek? Dude. Oh. Okay. Thanks, Derek. Um, sorry. I just asked you to check it right before the service. Sorry. Um. If you did that at work, would you get in trouble? I mean, this is like, I'm trying to preach the word. Okay. We're in James chapter 1. I'm sorry. I apologize. I apologize. James chapter 1. Hey, if, if you haven't been with us, we're in the book of James. We're going to pick it up in chapter 1, verse 19. Okay, here we go. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I like the sermons that apply to you guys, not the ones that apply to me. Yeah, I had some of you going, right? That was a little awkward, wasn't it? I was just a little uncomfortable in here for a second. You're like, wow, how could you be so mean to Derek? Derek is like a nice guy. So, so let's just think, let's just think if you, if you haven't caught on yet, like I like Derek and I planned it that way. I'm not really mad at Derek. But I wanted you to see something. If that had been real, if, if really, let's just say I had a really bad morning, things are not going well, I'm in a bad mood, this happens, you know, I've just prepared myself to preach the word, I come up here, this happens. And my response is to blast Derek, okay? And then that makes all of you guys feel awkward, right? Not only does it make you feel awkward, but poor Derek, I mean, this guy is a professional sound engineer volunteering his time for us, and I'm blasting him, right? Just what he needs. And, 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 and then the rest of you have to sit and listen to the rest of the sermon, right? And so the whole time you're thinking, I don't want to listen to this jerk. Listen to how he's treating Derek. And, and so think about what that, uh, how that affects my reputation. Think about how that affects the church's reputation. Maybe you just came in here for the first time. You're like, I'm going to check out this God thing and see what this is about. Like, wow, this is great. And, and think about what it does for God's reputation. If this is how God's people behave 
And then the whole rest of the time, you're just distracted and can't even hear whatever else I have to say, which wouldn't be worth listening to anyway, because my attitude would be so bad, the Holy Spirit's probably not doing anything through me, right? All because in one moment, anger got to rule my life. It's astonishing what can happen. It's a trickle effect, isn't it? And I don't have to tell you about this because you've all been on earth for at least like 15 minutes, right? So we have experienced this in our own lives. Every one of us has been with somebody who had a trigger that triggered their anger and that created an entire mess. And all of us have probably been that person who got angry and created an entire mess. So as we dive in, we should probably read this passage again since you weren't listening the first time, right? (laughs) Okay. Let's go back. If you don't know, we're in the book of James, right? Book of James toward the back of the New Testament after Hebrews. If, uh, if you're a regular around here, just put a bookmark there because we're going to be there for a long time. We're in chapter one, so it's going to take us a while. But we're going verse by verse through what is, I think, the most practical of all the books in Scripture. And I'm just going to warn you now, as I have warned you before, uh, James is not concerned with your feelings, he, he comes right at you. He addresses issues in your life and mine. He expects us to change if Jesus is really real in our lives, right? So some of you are not going to enjoy today's message. Some of you are going to be mad at me, to which I say just, you know what it says, anger is bad, right? <laughs> and if you can't handle it and you're still mad, be mad at James. Don't be mad at Pastor Doug, Okay. Now, let's read this together. Chapter 1, verse 19. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. Now, what we're going to do is we're just going to dig in and start tearing these verses apart and start seeing what difference applying this truth could actually make in our lives. So let's begin with verse 19. He begins with this phrase. In my Bible, it says, this you know. I'm reading from the New American Standard. Maybe you have a different version and and yours might say, take note of this or know this or something like that. It's actually a, a bit of an odd thing to translate from the Greek. The only word that's really clear there in the Greek is the word know. And we don't know whether he's really saying, hey, you already know this, but let me emphasize it. Or whether he's saying, take note of this, because this matters. Either way, he's trying to emphasize it. He's he's trying to drive a point home, and we're going to see why, because once we start tearing this apart, we're going to see how much difference it can make in our lives if we actually live the things that James is teaching us, okay? So he says, this you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone, take, take your pens, circle that word, everyone, underline it, highlight it, whatever you do in your Bible, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. This message is for everyone. So next to that word, everyone, in your Bible, if you're a person who writes in your Bible, write these two letters, (laughs) M-E. This is for you. Turn to the person you came with or you're sitting next to and say this, this message is for me. Go ahead. Okay. 
<laughs> I know, most of you said, this message is for you, didn't you? <laughs> I heard that. Okay, um, this, what James is going to teach us today, it matters for everyone. Don't get confused. Now, listen, we've seen examples of this. You've seen examples um, in, the work, in the workplace. We've seen examples among our government leaders. We've seen examples in our families. We've seen examples in the church of people who, um, who are the opposite of what James is telling us. They are quick to speak, slow to listen, and quick to anger, right? And we know the impact of that, but we might think it only has a big impact if it's like a well-known person or a leader or somebody who's got a microphone or a platform, but we have seen in our families, haven't we? Haven't we seen this in our personal relationships? That if we don't get this right, getting it wrong costs a lot. It's a big deal. And so James is pointing this out to us. And, And there's a threefold picture here. Quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. And I'm calling this God's recipe for healthy relationships. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And it's not the only thing that is necessary for healthy relationships. But I can promise you that if this is missing in your relationships, your relationships are not healthy. It's an absolutely essential part of enjoying the abundant life Jesus came to give us. Quick to hear, Slow to speak, slow to anger. So let's begin where James begins, with listening. We're going to talk for a little bit. This is incredibly practical. This, the James is not Mr. Big Theology Ideas, Big Philosophy Ideas. It's all practical. So we're just going to tear it apart and get practical with James. So he wants to talk about listening. Quick to hear. Let me put it another way. Listen first. If we could just get that as a mantra in our heads... Listen first. If we would take the approach that says, I'm going to make understanding the other person more important than being understood, we would make miles of progress right there. Listen first. Quick to hear. Man, we need to hear this. Listen to understand rather than listening to be understood. Don't jump to conclusions. Don't make assumptions. Don't think that you understand where the person is coming from. Just listen. And don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. (laughs) We have all been guilty of this. And, And it usually shows up in conflict. It can show up anywhere, but it often shows up in conflict, right? And so we've all been in a conflict situation where obviously the other person is wrong, right? Because they're the other person. And so the other person is wrong. And so they're trying to explain their point of view. And what are you hearing? You're hearing the teacher from Charlie Brown, right? And, and they're not getting through to you. You see their lips moving, but you're not listening. Why are you not listening? Because you're waiting for them to finally shut up so you can make your point, right? And you're, you're developing your point in your head while the other person is speaking. So too often, we just don't listen. And the book of James is all about taking your Christian theology, your Christian philosophy, your Christian worldview, and giving it flesh 
and making it practical. So let's get real practical. Remember when they came to Jesus, they said, hey, look, there's all these laws. What's really just the, the bottom line? Give us the bottom line. What's the most important commandment? And Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, right? So you can sum that up, love. Jesus said, love is the big deal. That's Matthew 22, right? And then in 1 Corinthians 13, I'm gonna actually read this one to you. You don't have to turn there, but let me just read it to you real quick. In 1 Corinthians 13, most of us are familiar with the definition of love that comes in the middle of the chapter, but let me read you the first three verses. He says this, if I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but do not have love, I've become a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and know all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have all faith so as to remove mountains but do not have love, I'm nothing. And if I give all my possessions to feed the poor, and if I surrender my body to be burned but do not have love, it profits me nothing. Wow. It's as if God thinks love is the mark of Christianity. And Jesus, when he gathers his disciples right before he's about to go to the cross, has some last things to say to them. In John chapter 14, what does he say to them? Listen, my, a new commandment I give to you, love one another as I have loved you. And this is how they will know you are my followers, by what? Your love for one another, right? So Jesus saying, this is the mark. You can, you can go to the right church, listen to the right music, have a bumper sticker on your car that says, honk if you love Jesus. You can do all of those things, but the mark of Christianity, according to God, is love, right? So if we're gonna get serious about this love thing, okay, God wants us to love. But let me tell you something. It is hard to love when you won't listen. It is really tough to love when you won't listen. One of the best definitions I know of love is love is meeting needs. How do you even know a person's needs if you're not willing to listen? And guys, there's a difference between hearing and listening, right? If a car drives by right now and honks its horn or a fire truck goes by with a siren, we will all hear it. But hopefully you're listening to what I'm saying. It's a, there's an effort that's being made. There's a, there's a decision that's made to focus and try to understand and all of that. And he's calling us to listen. And, and if you want to build a bridge in a relationship that allows love to cross over, that bridge is listening. So it starts, James says, with listening. And if love is meeting needs, I can tell you one need that everyone has. We all need to be listened to. It's affirming when someone listens to you. It, it, it affirms your dignity, it, it affirms your, your humanity, it, it affirms the fact that you are worthy, right? It's encouraging. It creates an atmosphere for the relationship to flourish. So let's get super practical, okay? And, and we'll give some examples of this. Um, just last night, uh, I went to a, a 50th wedding anniversary party for Chris and Chuck Fry. So, yeah, you can clap for them. They're not here, but you clap for them anyway. Even if, even if they were here, they wouldn't hear you because they're old. They've been married 50 years. Anyways. <laughs> Anyways, 
So they're married 50 years, right? So we're looking around and there's all these couples that are like our age or older all over the place and they start asking, how long have you guys been married? How long have you guys been married? 46 years, 55 years, 51 years. All these people have been married all this time and, and you go, wow. So, so if you're a young couple, maybe you've been married five years, eight years, 15 minutes, whatever, and, and you're thinking, I wanna have a 50th wedding anniversary party. Let's apply this to marriages for a second, okay? Here's the deal. Um, With our spouse, there is a tendency as time goes by for us to listen less. And if you get old enough that you have hearing aids, you could just turn them off. (laughs) And that's what we tend to do. There's a tendency, after we've been together a long time, and it may just be familiarity, or it may be actual hurt and bitterness, or whatever the case is that builds up, there is a tendency in long-term relationships, and certainly in marriages, where we stop listening, where even the sound of your spouse's voice makes you tense. And, and you know, we joke about it, and I'm telling you, I've had a 30-year counseling ministry where couple after couple after couple with tears pouring down their face tells me this is what's happened in their marriage. You say, uh, you know, um, when you try to express to your spouse and you tell your husband um, how you're feeling, how does that work? I don't even tell him anymore because he doesn't listen. And when you get to a place like that where a relationship is just teetering then on the edge and one of the things that could have made all the difference would have been if we had just been listening to each other. So uh, that's marriages. Let's think about kids. I don't know if it's just me. I know this is being recorded. Um, My kids are grown, so I won't get in too much trouble. But, um, (laughs) but, you know, there, there are times when listening to your kids is just like nails on a chalkboard, isn't it? Right? Or No, just me? Really? <laughs> like, you know, you'd say to your eight-year-old son, what'd you do today? And he goes, um, I played Fortnite. And you go, really, how was that? And then there's 45 minutes of, blah, 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 you know, and then I got the sword and the hatchet and I ran from the guy that they explained. And, you're like, and he talks to you as if you care. And it's your job to care. So you have to sit there and go, uh-huh, uh-huh. You don't even know what they're talking about. You have no understanding whatsoever. And they're talking, right? But, but listen, let me tell you something. And I, and I tell you this from a certain amount of experience. Um, if you don't listen now, they're not listening later. There, there's a, there is an investment that we make in a relationship when we listen, it is so affirming to have someone listen, to actively listen, to hear what you're saying, to engage with what you're saying, to ask follow-up questions. And, and yeah, there are times when, the, especially with kids, where there, there's things, it's just their world is so different than yours and you may not be interested, but remember this, you're interested in him. You're interested in her. And so you listen. And then if, you don't, if you're not married and you don't, have kids, so let me give you an illustration. You know how there are some people who just annoy the crap out of you? <laughs> no, you don't know that? <laughs> Again, is this just me? I'm just, I'm like trying not to make eye contact with certain people right now, right? 
There are just some people who, for whatever reason, they're just not your, your person, right? And they bug you. And, and, and they're like socially awkward or they don't know when to stop talking. And you, you walk past them in the hall and you say, how you doing? And you keep walking and they go, oh, I'm glad you asked. And you go, ugh. <laughs> so you gotta stop and there's 45 minutes of let me tell you what happened. Then I put my socks on and you know, you're just like, oh. And, and, and it, you know, let me just say something about that. Um, very annoying people are not just annoying to you. They're annoying to lots of people, so nobody's listening to them. So, so when you take a minute to actually be interested, to, to ask a question, to actually engage and show an interest, to even go the other way, instead of, you know, you say, how you doing? And they say, fine, and keep walking. You go, no, 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 I actually wanted to know, how you doing? How, how are you doing? How was your week? And actually ask Man, it's like a tenfold investment when you invest in somebody that other people love to ignore. What an opportunity that we have with difficult to love people. And so if God has allowed you to live next door to a difficult to love person, or sit in a classroom with a difficult to love person, or maybe marry a difficult to love person, like what an incredible opportunity for you to be the one who impacts their life for Christ just by listening. It's a huge deal. You can have a life-changing impact on somebody just by being a good listener. Because listening creates an opportunity for empathy. When I listen, I start to care. I start to feel what you're feeling. And that's why, you know, as, as much as it can be helpful at times, um, the communication that we have that is done with our thumbs instead of with our eyes and our mouth and our faces can sometimes leave us just uh, feeling empty because the things are not really communicated that will create empathy, that will create relationship. So I just wanna encourage you. I, you know what, I'm all for social media. I use my texting all the time, do all that kind of stuff. You know what I figured out though? They don't let you text while you're driving. So I make phone calls when I'm driving. So if, if, my, if your phone rings and you look and it says, Doug Spriggs, you go, oh, he must be driving because I'm probably driving. <laughs> right? Because I got that speaker thing in my phone, in my car, I can just talk to you while I'm driving, and there's something about us talking. Here's what I'm saying. Make the effort now and then to actually speak to somebody. And those of you who are older are like nodding your head saying amen. Those of you who are younger are like, why would I take the time? I could just text two emojis, and I can say, Right? And listen, I'm not knocking that. Seriously, that's, the, that's how communication has evolved, and it's a good thing in many ways. I'm just saying, don't miss the opportunity to touch someone's heart. You do that by listening. And when we're doing this kind of communication, all we're doing is talking. There's not much listening going on. So if you want to be like Jesus, here's a rule. I'm trying to give you like these little mantras. Put others first. If you want to be like Jesus, put others first. In your conversation, put others first. Seek to understand before you seek to be understood. There's something incredibly attractive about that. People, people will be drawn to you. It breaks down walls. It overcomes barriers. And according to James, it keeps anger at bay. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. That is not three things that James is calling us to do. That is three aspects of one thing. He's talking about relating to people. 
And he is saying the way that we do that is that we're quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. If you are quick to hear, you will be by definition slow to speak, right? And if you're quick to hear and therefore slow to speak, you're gonna find that anger does not come so quickly because now there's things like empathy, now there's things like understanding, now those uh, muddy roads are cleared up before it ever gets to the point of anger. It's a package deal. Now, listen, (laughs) I'm gonna just be uh, transparent. If you know me pretty well, then one of the things you probably are aware about me is that this speaking gift that I have is not just a strength but also a weakness. Because I have this tendency to just go quickly to speaking. And so if, I was, if, I, if this was written about me, it would say, be slow to hear, quick to speak, right? Because speaking is just, that's my default setting. I love to speak. And so, and I always think I have something to say. And, and some of you are like, yeah, thank God, the Lord's getting through to him, right? Because, and, and if you've ever been in a grace group with me or a Bible study or something like that, it's discussion-oriented, here's what I know about myself. I talk twice as much as I should in that kind of a setting. And some of you other extroverts out there are like me. But here's the thing. If you're the one doing all the talking in those situations, guess who's not talking? Everyone else. Everyone else. And, and we might need to hear from them, or more importantly, they just might need to be listened to, right? And so I have this weakness. I have this tendency to go straight to, you know, I listen to half of your sentence, and then I start giving you a solution, and usually it's a three-point outline with a verse to memorize and all that stuff, right? <laughs> and and, and I, almost, I almost didn't want to preach through the book of James because I know this book really well, And I'm telling you, there's things in here that God has been working on in me for 40 years and I still don't have them down. And this is one of them. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. It's very hard for me to illustrate this now because I'm preaching, right? But the Lord is working on me on this. And so thank you for your patience. Thank you for being gracious. I'm trying to get better at this. Um, but I didn't want to preach on this today because I, I like to preach about things that convict you. <laughs> so I'm trying to be a better listener because I know it's so important because the whole thing is a chain reaction. It comes as a package deal. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. And when I'm quick to speak and slow to listen, I'm also quick to anger. And my anger just doesn't accomplish the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. Now, I want to make a little side note here because I don't want us to get confused. I want you to notice something. James does not tell us not to get angry. He says, be slow to anger. He doesn't say not to get angry, which is strange because if you ask a lot of believers, they would say the Bible is against anger. And here's a couple things I want to tell you about that. First of all, one of the most common adjectives used in the scripture to describe God is the word angry. And I don't like to talk about that. And I don't like to think about that. I certainly don't like to preach about it. But the Bible says angry is one of the attributes of God. 
And so if God is angry and God is holy, then not all anger is sinful, right? In fact, the Apostle Paul in Ephesians 4, he commands us to be angry. That's interesting, right? If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Uh, it's just a couple pages to the left, maybe 20 pages to the left in your Bible from James. Go to Ephesians chapter 4, and, and I want us to just look at this. I wish we had time to really study this, but I just want to throw it out there for you. Verses 26 and 27 of Ephesians chapter 4, here's what Paul writes. Be angry, be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and do not give the devil an opportunity. You know what he's saying there? That your anger very often is the devil's opportunity. And so be careful because it is possible to be angry and not sin, but you're just not very good at it, I promise. I'm not very good at it. Most of the time, my anger and my sin connect. And, and yet... Think about Jesus, right? Think about Jesus in the, in the temple, overturning the tables, making a whip and chasing guys with it. Now, I don't know what you want to call that. I call it angry. I have a book in my office. It's called Angry Like Jesus. It's a whole study of the anger of Jesus as it's displayed in the New Testament. Jesus shows anger multiple times in the New Testament, and yet... He, the scripture says he's like us and that he is tempted in every way that we're tempted and yet without sin. So it is possible. So for some of you angry folks out there, you're like, yeah, I'm biblical. Yes, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, okay? Uh, it is possible to be angry and not sin. We're just not very good at that because there's a difference between the anger of God and the anger of man. There are some things you should be angry about. You should be angry about injustice. When you see people suffering unjustly, you should be angry about that. You should be angry about hatred, racism, abuse. Uh, you should be angry about sex trafficking and, and uh, pornography. There's a lot of things God's angry about. We should be angry about. The question is not whether you're angry, but why are you angry? What are you angry about? Are you angry about the things God's angry about? Or are you angry because someone offended you? Someone took your parking space. Like when you think, oh, I'm fine with this. Just remember the last time Christmas shopping at the mall and somebody shot in and took your space, right? And you thought, could I blow up their car? I know you did, <laughs> right? So this is an us thing. This is not just a Doug thing, right? So, so um, anger is an emotion, guys, and, and we can't always control our emotions. You don't get to always choose what you're feeling, but you can control what you do with your emotions or maybe what your emotions do with you. There are some things that you should be angry about, um, but even James tells us that even when we're angry, we should be slow to anger. You show me a person who listens well, a person who is slow to speak, and I will show you a person who is probably not controlled by their anger. 
Anger is an emotion. Emotions are good. I say this all the time. Don't get the idea that emotions are terrible and if you're being emotional, that's a bad thing. Emotion is a wonderful thing. It's given to us by God. But remember this, emotions are meant to be servants, not masters. And when your emotions begin to master you and they take over your behavior, that's when you find yourself wandering down a path of sin. So when your anger is selfish, when your anger leads you to mistreat other people, when your anger gets, uh, gets control of your behavior, then your anger is sinful. So not all anger is sinful, but I would venture a guess that in far too many cases, your anger and my anger are sinful. And Paul tells us to be angry and yet do not sin. Because there's a difference between the anger of God and the anger of man. And James makes it clear in verse 20, the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Let's get back to James 1. For the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Now, look at verse 21. And I wanted to tell you this. When I was outlining this book to decide, you know, how many sermons and where we're going to break it off for the different sermons, I really struggled with whether verse 21 goes with the two verses I just read or whether verse 21 fits better with the verses that follow. And actually, it fits with both. But I wanted to touch on it today, even though you probably hear more about it next week. I just want to touch on it today because here's the thing. I think that there in verse 21, there's actually application for verses 19 and 20. So I want us to see how that works. Let's read verse 21 together. Therefore, putting aside all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness, in humility receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. James chooses some super... Uh, bold words here, some harsh words. He's, he talks about filthiness and wickedness. And so obviously, this is a big deal. And, and I want us to think about it. The word filthiness there is a translation of a Greek word that is unique. This is the only place we find it in the New Testament. And, and it refers to moral defilement, to, to being morally defiled. So he says, put aside that which defiles you morally, filthiness, moral filthiness, he calls it. Moral defilement, it's a pretty strong word. And then he uses this other strong word, wickedness. And that Greek word refers to malicious intent and a desire to cause injury. This is all related to the anger, you see? He says, put aside the moral filthiness which, which the anger embodies, and put aside this malicious desire to injure somebody, to strike back, to, to get your pound of flesh. He says, put that wickedness aside. Those are terrible attributes, moral filth and malicious wickedness. <laughs> that I don't want to describe me. So where does that come from? From being slow to hear, quick to speak, and quick to anger. You take the opposite of the recipe for peace and you're going to have a recipe for uh, strife, wickedness, defilement. So guys, this is a big deal. This is not just a friendly relationship tip. This is God saying, hey, look, if you actually want to have a joyful, peaceful life, if you actually take take your Christianity seriously and you want to represent Jesus well, you're going to have to do something about your listening skills 
You're going to have to do something about what comes out of your mouth. And James has a lot to say about what comes out of your mouth. Later on, he's going to say, hey, you know what? Um, a whole forest fire is set ablaze by one little spark. And that spark is the tongue. So be careful when you speak, right? We'll get into that later. Quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. So what do we do? How do we avoid this moral filth and wickedness? James tells us in the second half of verse 21, in humility receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. By the way, guys, highlight the word humility. You want to talk about Christian maturity? I don't think there's a single stronger key to Christian maturity than humility. As we, as we allow God to develop humility in our hearts, as we humble ourselves in the sight of the Lord, that's how he grows us. And you show me a spiritually mature person and I will show you a humble person. You show me a proud person and I will show you a spiritually immature person. That's how it works. And, and it's the opposite of what our world teaches. So we gotta think carefully about that. Humility, he says, in humility, receive the word of God. We gotta humble ourselves, admit that we have more to learn than we have to teach. We have more growing to do. We haven't arrived yet. So in humility, receive the word implanted, which is able to save your souls. It's one thing to hear the word or to read the word, but it's another thing to receive the word and let it get planted in your heart to receive the word implanted so that the Holy Spirit can water the word in your heart and it can bear fruit in your life. We're gonna hear more about that next week, but for now, let's just realize that God is telling us to take his word seriously. So this isn't just about listening to others. This is about listening to God. It always starts there. And how do we hear from God? Well, primarily through his word, the Bible. And it's, it's more than hearing the word that saves our souls. It's receiving the word implanted that saves our souls. God's word has to be planted in our hearts where it can be watered and bear fruit. And how do we receive the word? James tells us, with humility. With humility. It's the key to the abundant life. But as long as everything is about your expectations, as long as everything is about your plans, because like, isn't this what makes us angry? When our expectations aren't met, when our plans are derailed, when we don't get what we want, as long as everything's about your comfort, as long as everything's about your fame and your honor and your glory, I'm telling you, you're never gonna experience the abundant life that Jesus died to give you. It won't happen. It's not until you turn your eyes upon him, make it about his glory, his fame, his honor, and then you don't have to defend yourself. Now you can just be angry about what God's angry about. That's why Jesus acted that way in the, in the um, temple. It's because his father's house was being made a den of thieves. It was on behalf of his father's honor and glory that he expressed that anger. But when you humble yourself, when you concern yourself with God's glory and God's fame and God's plans, when you love others enough to listen to them, before you speak, when you humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, he will lift you up. So we're going to get super practical here. And again, I'm going to be very direct and straightforward. I can't help it. James wrote it this way. And, and don't even get mad at James. The Holy Spirit inspired it. 
So, do you want to experience the abundant life? Here's what you do, okay? Seriously, if you want to actually do this, here's what you do. Quit clinging to your so-called rights. Quit making it about you. Quit putting your interests above other people's. Quit talking so much and listen more. And whatever you do, stop letting your anger dictate your behavior. Let me help you make it practical. Let me give you some questions you can ask yourself right in the middle of a situation when you feel the tension beginning to build in your shoulders. You know that, that feeling? You start to clench your jaw. Ask yourself silently in your mind some questions. Am I talking too much? Man, that's just a great question to ask, especially in a group setting. You go out to dinner with a bunch of friends. Am I talking too much? Every time someone brings up something, and does it remind me about a story about me that I just need to jump in and share? Am I talking too much? Am I listening enough? Not just hearing, but listening. That means I'm asking questions. Really, tell me more about that. Really, how did that make you feel? Really, I don't understand. Can you help me to understand and listen? Am I slow to anger? This is a self-evaluation. Be careful. The heart is deceitfully wicked. It's easy to convince yourself that your anger problem is not such a problem. Ask the people who live with you. Ask the people who work with you. How am I doing with anger? Am I slow to anger or am I quick to anger? And am I getting angry about the right things? And am I not angry about the right things? And am I humbly receiving God's correction from his word? So do I resent it when somebody like James just gets up in my face and says, okay, you're gonna need to stop this and start doing that. Does, that. does that cause me to back away from God or do I humbly receive the correction of God's word? Guys, this is a recipe. It's a recipe for successful living, a recipe for abundant life. Let everyone be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. Let's bow our heads together. Lord, we want to thank you today for your incredible patience with us. I don't know how others are feeling, but as I've been exposed to your word this week, um, I'm thankful for your patience because I have a long way to go here, Lord. I think many of us have a long way to go here. But you have been patient, you've been gracious, you've been kind. God, help us to follow your example. The way you've been with us, let us be that way to others. Father, help us to be listeners. I'm so astounded by how much you listen. You long to hear our prayers. You want to listen. Some of the things I tell you about, Lord, they're just irrelevant. And you listen. And, and, and how slow you are to speak into my life and force the issue because of your patience. God, make me more like you. Make each of us more like you. Help us, God, to love others well that you might receive all the glory because, Lord, we confess it's not about us. It's all about you. May you be glorified. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.